Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Matt and I are going to be reviewing some mountain bikes for you. We're currently testing or have recently wrapped testing on a number of new bikes and wanted to share reviews with our podcast listeners. Most of these reviews, all of these reviews will at some point be on the website where you can view photos and read a little bit more, but we thought it would be good to do a whole podcast episode where we talk about some of these long-term bike reviews and maybe give a different side to the review than what we're able to do online. So I want to start just by talking about what a long-term bike review is. What does that mean to you, Matt? I mean, we do a lot of different types of bike reviews. Sometimes we'll show up at a demo event or um, we'll just share a press release, but what makes like a long-term bike review different or special to you? I think it's really getting it dialed into preference. You know, like when we rode this stuff interbike, everything happens really quickly. You may f- maybe have a few, I don't know, two or three hours to ride it at the most, which will give you like, you know, some decent first impressions here and there. But I mean, I think, it, I mean, obviously it needs more time than that to really get your suspension dialed in, to get your cockpit adjusted to where you like it and to actually get a legit feel for how the bike is. And I think it's different to ride it like on your home trails, trails that you're used to also. Yeah, that's a really good point. I just in the last few years have made it a point to ride more local trails and you can really tell, you can tell a difference when you take the same bike or sorry, different bike on the same trails and, you know, it gives you a good way to judge it against other bikes. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you get a chance to customize and set up the bike. I mean, whenever we go to a demo event, of course, we're going to set the suspension, you know, get sag and everything set up as best we can. Um, But like you said, you can't change controls around. You also can't swap out parts. So we do a fair bit of that when we review bikes long term. So I recently reviewed a couple of hardtails that we'll talk about. And for both of those, I had to get a dropper for them. Neither of them came with one. But, you know, for me, if if I was buying the bike, I would put a dropper on it. So we, we add parts to them. Sometimes we'll swap out tires or just do whatever we need to do to make the bike fit us. And then I think the other thing that's important to note is that with a long-term bike review, the, the time frame really varies. There is no set amount where, you know, long-term equals three months or 30 days or anything like that. It really it depends on the bike, I think, because, mm-hmm. yeah, Matt, you've had a few in and, and it's been different for each of those bikes, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like two or three months seems like a good length of time for really getting it really getting to know it and at least testing slightly to the durability and making sure that like the build's going to hold up. But yeah, I mean, like there's certain bikes where, you know, I've had it and it's taken me, I don't know, a few weeks. And then I'm like, okay, I pretty much know like what this bike does good and what it's not going to do great. Yeah. It's hard to say ahead of time too, for me anyway, you know, I'll get a bike in and I'll think, you know, I'm going to ride it on these trails. And then I, I take it out on those trails and I 
think, oh man, actually, you know, what would be better is this other trail. And, you know, I need to plan a weekend trip up to the mountains or whatever to, to test it out. And so sometimes that draws it out. And like you said, too, durability is something that we would like to address. But honestly, even if we even if we kept a bike for six months or a year, yeah, that I still wouldn't feel comfortable commenting on durability uh, just because most of us, when we buy a bike, you know, we want it to hold up for a couple of years at least, right? We yeah. like just because it holds up six months, like yay. But we most of us expect more, so we we try not to comment on durability, and that's not the purpose of the long term review either. You know, we're not really trying to hold on to it and see how long it goes until it breaks. Like it's really just about us getting to know the bike and get it dialed in and really be able to give it like a fair shake. For sure, there's just so many different like variables when it comes to durability too. What you know, I mean, somebody might weigh two, 250 pounds and be a complete bruiser on the bike. And, you know, they're going to have a different experience in durability than the, somebody who's 150 pounds, obviously. And I mean, yeah, just the terrain they ride, everything makes a factor in, in durability. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is unfortunate because durability is probably one of the biggest things that people want to know. I mean, if they're going to spend yeah. their hard earned money, they want to know a bike's going to hold up. And unfortunately, that's like the one thing that we can't really test effectively. But the good news is, you know, bikes these days are really good. And most bike companies, you know, are going to honor their warranties. You know, if you have a problem with a frame within the first year or two, or I mean, a lot of them are sort of lifetime. I mean, I've heard of people going back with their bikes, you know, after many seasons of riding and, and getting taken care of. So durability, it's important, but hopefully it's something that is not going to be too much of an issue for people. For sure. So I also wanted to talk about how we choose which bikes that we're going to test long-term. Matt, what's sort of your process? You've had a, a few in so far. How did you pick those bikes? A lot of it will come down to reader interest. You know, like what I'd pick bikes all day long based on what I want to ride but <laughs> at the end of the day it's not really it's not really about me so the bike that I've had in for a little bit now at Pivot Firebird that was just you know it was a, a pretty hot debut and I think a lot of people are interested in how it rides so, so for that one I reached out to Pivot and uh, got a review bike in the Thunderbolt I've had in Rocky Mountain reached out to me and asked if I wanted to test it and that was a little different because it's uh, the Thunderbolt's been out for a while, but now this is an alloy version, and they want to get some testing in since it's a different frame material and different build than the carbon versions have. In the Cannondale, that was something that you had set up for my first review bike. Yeah, and that one, I mean, like you said, we try to pick stuff that we think is going to be cool and that our readers are interested in. So yeah, if it's new and hot, that's good. Um, and then we use, we like to stick into the like trail and enduro category in general, because again, we know that that's, those are the types of bikes that readers are interested in. And so, um, that's why I went with the Cannondale cause it was like a trail version of an XC bike, which is kind of interesting, Yeah, but yeah. And, and I think for me too, recently uh, there's been a lot of interest in hardtails, particularly hardcore hardtails. And so I've made it a point of trying to get some of those bikes in to, get reviews of them and, and really just to get a sense of them for myself too, because it's been, it had been a while since I'd ridden a hardtail before dropper posts and awesome tires and all that stuff. Yeah. So probably the last burning question before we get into some of these reviews, these spoken reviews, um, 
a lot of people ask if we get to keep the bikes that we review because it seems like we've always got new bikes in you know all my riding buddies kid me because it's like you know every few weeks i show up on a different bike so yeah just to clear that up no we don't get to keep the bikes we usually ship them back as soon as the review is done a lot of times the companies they have like sample bikes that they send out to media Mm -hmm. and other people and so a lot of times they're asking us like hey are you done with it yet we we need that bike back so we don't get to keep the bikes unfortunately yeah i'd be running out of room really quickly also (laughs) if that was the case right yeah yeah it is kind of a hassle you have like have all these bike boxes and bikes that you're trying to juggle around it's definitely been an issue here in the office in some summertime uh, trying to fit everything in but hey you know that's why they pay us the big bucks so yeah there are worse problems that could be had yes exactly so let's start talking about the bikes and i think maybe i kind of have these in order of sort of aggressiveness starting with you know enduro full suspension and so yeah let's kick it off with the pivot firebird that's the one you mentioned matt and that should be the most recent review or maybe we may have another one coming out soon too but tell us about the the firebird yeah so that let's see it the new version came out in i think july and we hit them up pretty early and you know they had media samples out already so I got that one in uh, middle of October. Like again, with so much of the news this uh, this year, there's a long travel 29er, and I think that's generating a lot of interest in how these bikes ride, particularly how they climb, because I think as we know, like 29ers are going to have a little bit better uh, rollover capability, and then you throw this crazy aggressive geometry on it in a ton of travel. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have been intrigued. And so I had the Pro XT slash XTR build. It's mostly XT stuff. It's uh, Shimano XT brakes. The whole drivetrain is XT, except for the derailleur, which they put an XTR derailleur on. And then a Reynolds carbon wheel set, i9 hubs. So it's been a pretty pretty solid build. Where does that fall, like, sort of in the lineup of Firebirds? Is that at the top or is that more toward the middle? It's probably a mid-range one because I think their base Firebird is like fifty two hundred. Wow, this one was like seventy three hundred. Yeah, so not it's not a budget bike for sure. Yeah, and it's only available in carbon, right? Yep, only in carbon. They have one frame spec, not any different levels of carbon or anything. So yeah, fifty two hundred for the base build. The one I've been testing seventy three hundred, and I think it tops out somewhere between nine and ten. So yeah, it's a pretty premium bike, but Pivot's always sort of started their bikes at a pretty premium price. And so, yeah, like I got it in and took it down to, uh, to Taos, New Mexico the first weekend and rode South Boundary Trail with it. And I was thinking, oh, this is perfect because it's like a, a yeah. shuttle trail. You know, it's a 30-mile, mostly downhill trail. So it's like, sweet, like shouldn't really have to pedal this a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, up until like the final few miles of the trail, the whole trail is actually pretty pedally, a lot more pedally than I thought. And it's mostly descending, but it's like a lot of variation of climbing, a lot of like short climbs followed by short descents. So 
it was still a lot of bike for that trail up until like the final few miles. And then it's, yeah, like an average, like I think around 15% descending, something like that. And then it's 15% grade for like three miles or something like that and steep and loose and rocky. And then it was a blast. And you have a lot of trails like that around you, right? I mean, is that yeah, like kind of front range type ride or somewhat I, th- I feel like front range is more like you're going up for an hour and then you're going down for 20 minutes like there's not like a lot of in between i mean the fiber is kind of like you know it's sort of like a new class like this super long travel pedal ish bike still or you know but I, my own bike like it, it's a girly gravity mega trail and it's 150 mil and 170 mil travel up front 650b but even the difference between 150 mil and 162 on the Firebird, like I can still have fun on my 650B bike on like blue trails and flow trails to where the Firebird, it, it just wants to go like down <laughs> black diamonds and double black diamonds. And like, it's, it's, it's not the most fun bike on uh, intermediate trails. So I think the thing looks like so sick, but it's, I mean, it's a lot of bike. Yeah. It's impressive, like in tight stuff, but it's still, it's way more bike than you need most of the time. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think the market is then? Is it more of like a enduro race bike? Yeah. I mean, like if I was doing like a more regular schedule of like enduros to the summer, I, mean, I do a couple of year, but like it'd have to be really regular or I'd have to really be hitting like the bike park every weekend for me to buy this bike. Like, I wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be the bike that I would buy if I was covering a lot of miles right. over the summer. Yeah. And that, I mean, that makes sense because it's, it's close to a downhill bike mm-hmm. and yeah, most of us don't own a downhill bike unless we do it a lot, unless we live close to bike park or do a lot of racing. Yeah. And I mean, it's still, you know, it's, it's a DW link, so it still climbs efficiently. You know, it's not like blowing through travel or anything, but I mean, yeah, so you're pedaling around 160, 170 mil 29 ers. So it's not, it's not a short travel. It's not a mid travel bike. Like it pedals like a lot of bike. Yeah, yeah. Is it heavy? So I weighed it the other day before I submitted that written review, and without pedals, is 32 pounds. Okay. So I mean, honestly, it's not. Yeah, it's really not that heavy, you know, for a bike that big. But that's also with carbon handlebars, carbon wheels, and a fairly light component kit. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's really. Good to know. I think, I think a lot of people just get excited when they see a lot of travel and a new bike. And we all like to think that we can ride a bike like that or need a bike like that. But yeah, but yeah, it is definitely a specialized tool for a certain type of trail and not necessarily your everyday ride. Yeah. Blacks and double blacks. It's a blast. Like I've ridden some sections in Denver, like faster than I've ridden them on any other bike. Uh, so on the right type of trail, yeah, I mean it hauls. It's it's a monster, but not so much on like intermediate trails. Interesting. Well, I tested a bike that's maybe a little bit more accessible or, or approachable, the Norco Sight, which is also a twenty niner. This bike's got a little bit less travel, one hundred and thirty millimeters in the rear, and it's got a hundred and fifty millimeter fork on the front. So, as a twenty niner, that's I guess these days that's kind of the middle of trail territory. It's middle to high end, let's say that. Yeah. I guess. Doesn't the lines are pretty blurry. One of the interesting things about this bike, they updated it for 2019, I believe. 
Norco is going to be offering a new custom build program, and I got to take advantage of that for this bike. I don't know if they've officially announced it yet, so I probably should check before we share this podcast. (laughs) But basically, yeah, it's nothing crazy or anything. They're going to offer four parts kits and four suspension kits for the bike. So it's custom, but it's not like crazy custom where you have to pick like everything, you know, you got to pick your, Hmm. your grips and your tires and bars and stem and all that. They basically have, so you'll pick the frame, then you'll pick a parts kit. And so the parts kit is like the handlebars, cockpit stuff, the drivetrain, And there's a pretty wide price range here, I found. Norco let me pick whatever I wanted for the review bike. And so I kind of approached it as if it were my own bike. For the parts kit, I ended up going with the cheapest one that had, is you know, it still had Eagle. It's got the GX or the NX Eagle group on it. But, you know, it was like $1,000 or $2,000 less than the highest end kit So I felt like I saved some money there. And then they have a suspension kit that you choose. Again, it's based on the fork and the shock. What I found with this one was there was only like $600 difference between the cheapest one and the most expensive one. And to me, the suspension, you know, that's the one like down the line, if you want to upgrade it, it would cost you a fortune. Whereas, you know, with the drivetrain, if you want to swap out and get a better derailleur or you want a you know, lighter cassette, you could kind of do it piecemeal. But, you know, the suspension, that's like two big parts. So I, I figured that's where I would splurge. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got the Kashima, you know, Fox 36 on it um, and the, the Kashima shock as well. So all together, I think the build that I have is probably it probably retail for north of six thousand dollars. OK, uh, which is that's a lot of money, but it's also, unfortunately, it's not like super high in these days. Not, not unfortunately, but say that to mean that you could spend a lot more for sure. Yeah. So it seems like a pretty reasonable build, pretty, pretty much what I would do if I had $6,000 laying around. So what I found though, I haven't finished testing this bike. Actually, I did ride it this morning as a matter of fact, but so far, I, I really like this bike. The suspension just seems super plush and responsive. On my personal bike, I when I ordered it, my Santa Cruz Tallboy, I went with the suspension, the high-end suspension, got the Kashima shock, you know, and at the time I was like, this is dumb. Like, I don't really believe it, but everybody was telling <laughs> me like, oh, you got to get the Kashima. So it's like, yeah, what the heck? Every bike that I've ridden that has that you know, higher end Fox suspension on it, it really is just way more responsive. Like there's no stiction, you know, on the shock, like every little bump, like it just soaks it up. And especially I really, I like my suspension set up so that it's like real progressive. And so that even at low speed, like you're not going to feel bumps as much, or even like the smaller bumps call that small bump compliance. Probably heard that term before. So this bike has got it for sure, and it's got plenty of travel for the stuff I've ridden so far. Do you plan to take it on some bigger rides in the mountains? But so far on the trails sort of around me, like it's been it's been really great. The bike comes with Maxxis Minion tires, which are my favorite tires. And so that's been really nice. Bike is really long. I mean, bikes these days are, are long, especially 29ers are getting crazy long. If you're not super tall, like might feel a little bit weird, but it's really long. And so it's good and fast and stable, but 
It's not a great choice for a lot of my local rides, which tend to be sort of twisty and like more technical. So the bike's a little bit harder to handle, like around corners and things like that. It's got a Transex dropper post, which this is my first time running one of those. And I've been testing a number of different dropper posts lately. The Transex is really nice. It's, it's real fast and solid. Yeah. Yeah. Super reliable. And I'm not sure what the travel is on it, but it's a lot. I mean, it's probably, it's probably 170 millimeters at least because I, I ride an extra large bike. So I tend to you know, go for a long dropper post whenever I can. So that one is working out really well. I got to choose, I even got to choose the color of the bike and Norco offers, I think four or five different colorways on this bike. And I chose the wine color with pinkish accents. So it's like, it's a purple bike. Yeah. It's a purple bike. It's, it's dark purple, but it's still purple. Some good looking purples out there. Yeah, or maybe a little, it's kind of burgundy-ish. It's hard to describe. You'll see pictures. But yeah, I got a little bit of ribbing from some of my riding buddies about riding a purple bike. And then what's funny too is if you look at the site, I think they have like a women's version of the site and it's that color. So apparently I picked the women's color for my extra large bike, but it's cool. Yeah, this is a bike that I could definitely see myself owning at some point if I... I'm able to afford it because, yeah, it's just a really good bike. seems like, for me, this would be like the biggest bike that I would need to own, like for the types of trails that I ride. I wouldn't ride it all the time. It would be more of my like out-of-town bike, like go up to the mountains for the day or for the weekend type of bike. So far, it's a really good bike. I'm looking forward to putting more miles on it for sure. It sounds like just a really good all-around bike, like with 130 mil of travel unit. It's not like more than you need all the time, but yeah, still a bigger fork to get into some rougher stuff. Yeah. Pedal's great. And right. I'm just looking for like bigger stuff to ride it down and, and get it going even faster than I have so far. Cause I think it can, it can handle it, it can handle whatever I can ride. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving down the list, you've got the Rocky mountain Thunderbolt in for review and that that's the one you probably have the least amount of time on so far, right? Yeah. It's been right. Cause I just got that a few weeks ago. Snow's been coming pretty early in Colorado. Good for skiing. A little different. Than the, yeah, a little different in the past few years, which we've had like a few really late summers. Um, at least here at home, like I've gotten a couple of, eh, like not so great rides on it just because <laughs> conditions haven't been good. It's either been still kind of like snowy and icy or the wind has been like almost sweeping me up. Yeah, I took it to Moab last weekend um, and I got a lot of time in on it. And yeah, I really like it. I rode the first version of the Thunderbolt uh, a few years ago and it's just always been like a, a really fun bike like I've always I've always liked the Thunderbolt so this is their Rocky Mountain it seems like they're doing most of their new line in alloy also so now after some time with the carbon models are coming out with an alloy version of it and so this one just came out maybe a few months ago but it's the same frame same geometry same linkage but a lot less expensive so this one it's got like sunringle wheels i think it's sunringle yeah shimano slx drivetrain shimano brakes fox suspension it's their the fox performance suspension so it's like the black stanchions it's still fox on it but yeah i mean so far it's great it's like 
it's a good all around trail bike. The geometry is almost as aggressive as like anyone really needs. Hmm. So like the first full suspension bike I bought a while back was like a 2011 Rocky Mountain Slayer. And that was like their enduro bike at the time. I think the geometry on the Thunderbolt is more aggressive now than the Slayer I had back then. Oh, wow. Like it's like a 66 to maybe close to 67 degree head angle and like a 74 to like, I think maybe close to 75 degree seat angle. But it's an aggressive little trail bike, you know, affordable. I, I forget if I said this already, but it, yeah, it comes in at 3,300 bucks. So, oh, wow. I mean, for Shimano components and Fox suspension, it's, it's pretty solid. And then I rode Mag 7 with it last weekend. And I mean, there are really only a few parts where I wish it had like a slightly bigger fork on it. So it's some rough bottom outs in the fork, but the rear suspension handles bottom outs really well. It's really plush and in the bottom outs, but still like a lot of, a lot of pop to it over uh, jumps and just really playful and ton of fun. Nice. What would you say they sort of compromised on this build? I mean, they went from carbon to alloy and I'm sure they're trying to hit a certain price point. So where do you think they kind of skimped or, or where might people be disappointed with this one? They're all base level components pretty much, but even still it's like it's quality base level stuff. So and the Shimano SLX stuff, it's a little slower shifting. It's not, you know, it's not XT, but it's still pretty quick. The wheels are sun ringles. I mean, they're nothing, nothing great. They shipped with tubes. They're tubeless ready. So they even have the rim tape installed. It's just, you'd have to like put the sealant in and Mm -hmm. get some valves. Does it come with valves? I noticed one of the bikes that I was testing. Yeah. It didn't come with valves. They taped the rims and everything, but you have to figure out the valve situation. Yeah. And that was something, uh, I wasn't about to take a bike with tubes to Moab's (laughs) (laughs) converted it. Well, I actually used a different front wheel and then converted the rear to tubeless uh, when I took it to Moab. So didn't have any flats. Then race face affect dropper pose, which is it's definitely not my favorite dropper. I'm not a fan of the remote. I mean, it works good. It's just a little bit slower. Other than that, all aluminum parts, like the Rocky Mountain brand handlebars and stem and all that. So they definitely save money there. Is it a beast? I mean, is it real heavy, do you think? No, I haven't weighed it yet. Uh, my guess is like... 29-ish pounds, though. Oh, whoa, whoa. So it's, yeah, it's not heavy. Wow, that's a good deal then. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a killer deal for 3300 And just a lot of upgrade potential over time. Like, yeah, you can make it a fun bike over time, I think. I mean, it already is a fun bike, but you can make it like a really quality, you know, and improve the ride quality and component quality over time, definitely. Yeah, cool. That's good to know that those bikes still exist. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's their top end alloy build. So they even have a few builds that are priced in between like two and three grand. I think maybe the base level alloy is two grand. So All right. So I think we got one more full suspension bike before we get into the hardtails. And that's another one that you tested, the Cannondale Scalpel SE2. And like you said, that's one that we first had it shipped here to the single tracks office in Atlanta yeah. and you got to ride it around here and then you took it out to Colorado. So tell us a little bit about that bike. Yeah, it was like my first review bike. And again, like something, you know, if I was looking at bikes myself, I don't even think that one would have been on my radar because it was, you know, totally kind of like an off, an off thing. I don't think it's, people know the scalpel is like sort of an XC bike, like a right. really like XC made bike. So he did this like SE2 offering for, got a little bit more travel. It's a little bit more trail ready, uh, 115 
millimeters of travel and 120 mil Fox fork on it. But honestly, like I had, I had a ton of fun on that bike. All my bikes that I've owned before that have all been sort of like all mountain enduro-ish, more long travel stuff. And I've never really enjoyed pedaling on it. <laughs> and then I started riding around that scalpel and I was like, oh yeah, it's because they're not, they're not that fun to pedal around. You're like, oh yeah, I can pedal. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. Like you can actually have fun climbing, which was a big, big difference for me. Something I wasn't used to. So. <laughs> and did that bike have the lefty on it? I forget. Uh, no, no. This is a uh, Fox 34, the performance one. Same fork that's on that Thunderbolt. And yeah, I ended up setting it up with, uh, I think, two volume spacers in it. So I ended up feeling pretty bottomless. And yeah, even that bike, like the 120 mil fork on it, there weren't a lot of trails that, I mean, they're, they're definitely out there, but it like it handled most, like the majority of trails that I rode. So it was pretty cool. Way more of an all around bike than, than a lot of other ones. Yeah. Is that a bike you could see yourself owning or is that not quite aggressive enough for you? I think I could. I, I don't think it would be, you know, if I bought one bike, like that would be it just because I end up riding a fair bit of bike park in the summer. Mm-hmm. But man, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fun to climb on. It would be a bike I could take like up into the mountains and do, you know, really big rides out there uh, and be comfortable all day and still have fun going downhill too. It's definitely a lot closer to like one bike that, that I could own or yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And what's the retail on that bike? That one was 4,500. And yeah, so that one was like full carbon frame, carbon chain stays, that same race face affect dropper post, SRAM level brakes. I would definitely like upgrade the wheel set. I don't No, actually I would just upgrade the hubs because they were like stands arch rims on it and they're pretty solid rims. 4,500, it's a little steeper. I think there are like a few improvements, but still quite a, quite a bit of bang for your buck on that one. Yeah. Cool definitely an interesting looking bike too they kind of pulled out a lot of stops with it to make it different and stand out from the regular scalpel you know had the skin wall tires and yeah uh, some other interesting component choices that made it look pretty cool in the photos for sure so yeah in case people missed that review definitely go back and check for it i think it was probably september is when we published that one Uh, so you can you search the site for cannondale scalpel se2 review. So now we're getting into the hardtails and I've recently tested a couple of them. We've been talking a lot about hardcore hardtails and I noticed that that term has sort of entered the lexicon. We're seeing a lot more media publications talk about hardcore hardtails. And when we first started using that term, there's some debate about like how much travel, like what makes a bike a hardcore hardtail and in general, I, I don't know, I, there's no answer, but I, I, to me, it's like 120 millimeter fork and then a, a relatively slack head tube angle. Mm-hmm. There's a big range, you know, from starting at 120 degrees, you could probably, I think I've seen 160 millimeter forks on hardtails, which just, yeah, it seems crazy. Yeah. It seems crazy. I, I definitely would love to try one of those and see what that's about. But I chose to review the Marin San Quentin 2. And this is a bike that came out or was announced like in April at Sea Otter. It just struck me as a really aggressive bike, really unusual, different from a lot of other hardtails, even the hardcore hardtails that are on the market. And it's affordable. So it's one of those things where I was like, huh, this is a really interesting bike. It's affordable. Like I got to try it out. So 
I was able to get one after a few months and then wrote it for at least 60 days or so and published the review in the end of November. So around November 20th, we published the review. Uh, it's the San Quentin 2. There are three builds and two is sort of the middle build. Like I said, the geometry is really unusual for a hardtail. It has a 65 degree head tube angle, which is more slack even than the Thunderbolt. And yeah. what does the pivot have on it? I mean, did you say the pivot was 66? 65 to 65.5. So it's, yeah, it's like right there with it. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's with the Firebird, which is <laughs> a downhill like bike, according to Matt. So yeah. yeah, crazy slack. So it looks, you know, it looks like a downhill bike. If you look at it in profile, you're like, whoa, that's, that's hardcore. That looks awesome. <laughs> and it honestly, it feels like an enduro bike. As soon as you get on it, that's what I found. You know, I got the bike built up out of the box and then like just took it out to the parking lot to kind of sit on it and squish it and, you know, make sure everything was on tight. And as soon as I sat down, I forgot that I was on a hardtail. I was just like, whoa, like I'm on an enduro bike. I'm about to shred Yeah, because it's got the wide bars, I think probably seven eighties, which uh, they could have gone wider. They could have gone 800, but seven eighty is, is wide enough. If you ask me and that slack front end is just, is just crazy. And the fork is pretty reasonable, 130 millimeters of travel. They went with the recon on this because again, like I said, it's an affordable bike. This build that I tested is $1,299, so $1,300. And so they went with the recon. You know, it is a RockShox, so they, it's got that going for it. But other than that, I found it was is a pretty mushy fork, like not not exactly what I would want on that type of bike. But again, it, it got the job done. It, it's a good bike. It's a good entry level bike for, especially I could see like a teenager or somebody like that, or like a first bike, yeah. somebody who knows they want to, you know, ride more like aggressive type terrain, maybe even bike park or dirt jumps or that kind of thing. So the bike comes with 27.5 wheels, which is kind of unusual for, especially for a hardtail these days. I mean, even for all bikes, everybody, that's the hot thing, right? Is put 29 inch wheels on it and call it a new bike. But for a hardtail, you don't see a lot of 27.5 bikes. And I think they did that to keep the bike more playful yeah. and to make it so you could take it to the dirt jumps. But for me, the bike just, it wasn't, real like rollable as much as I'm used to on my 29er. I, I rode the bike on a lot of my local trails where I know, you know, all the rocks and the roots and logs and things. And I just found myself like running out of gas. I would come into a corner just as fast as I always do. And then I would just like come to a stop when I hit stuff. And I was like, huh. And I think is just the wheels, you know, they say that 29er wheels roll better. And again, this is one of those things I've heard but I've finally confirmed it for myself that, yeah, it does make a difference. So I would love to see bigger wheels on this bike if it were one that I were choosing. I did add a dropper, and on this bike in particular, you have to get one. Like, it is super sketchy going down with your seat all the way up when you've got that kind of a head tube angle on a bike. And with those wide bars, I mean, it just feels really top-heavy if you're not dropping it down for descent. So unless you're just going to keep the seat post slammed all the way down and you're never going to want it up, you need a dropper post for this bike. Fortunately, I found a couple of good options for, uh, you know, affordable droppers. 
The one I ended up using on this bike was the KSE30, which is the internally routed post. The bike is all set up for internal routing. Uh, it just doesn't come with a dropper post. So this one was, yeah, about 200 bucks and it ended up working great on that bike. So I definitely recommend that. So that's going to add, you know, it's 1299 for the bike. If you add another 200 bucks, you're looking at 1500. There is another build that's 1900 that does come with a dropper and a better fork, but I guess, yeah, you'll have to decide. I mean, that's a lot more. That's almost 50% more jumping up from 1300 to 1900. Yeah. So I, if it were my bike, I'd probably do what I did, which is, you know, buy the base and then add on a affordable dropper post. Yeah. Cause it's not that big of a, a jump at all. Yeah. To add 200 bucks, but yeah, it didn't seem right to spend 600 bucks just to get a dropper post. Right. So a lot of people are going to want to know, I mean, I wanted to know for myself what it was like to ride an affordable bike. I mean, we all want to believe that it's possible to find a crazy deal on a bike and, you know, everybody else is just gouging us on the prices and we're going to find some value hidden somewhere. And this bike, you know, it's worth $12.99. Like it's not, it's not a $2,000 bike that you're going to get for $12.99. It's mm. properly priced. I mean, it's heavy. The wheels quickly went out of true, the, the rear wheel, especially the bottom bracket was creaky. I mean, within just a couple of weeks, I was having problems with the bottom bracket. So you get what you pay for. It's, it's affordable for a reason and they have to cut costs in some places. And so if you're going to be riding really hard, I don't know, I I'd say maybe just budget for some replacement parts and repairs. Was it a press fit bottom bracket? I don't think so. I think it was, uh, no, it was not because I tried tightening it actually. Uh, <laughs> that didn't, yeah, that didn't do anything. Still creaky, huh? Yeah. I'm really hard. You're talking about, you know, how people are hard on bikes in different ways. And I'm generally pretty easy on bikes and light on bikes, except for bottom brackets. Like my bottom brackets always creak. So I wasn't like surprised and like, how dare this bottom bracket creak at me. But, <laughs> but I was a little surprised that it happened so quickly. And, and I wasn't doing anything crazy, like taking it through creeks or anything like that. So with those like hardtail or hardcore hardtails, like, do you think they're going to get a or hit a point with, you know, geometry or just throwing too big of a fork on it to like, like you're making the bike a little bit more capable than it will, <laughs> will ever be. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's one of the interesting things I found with that bike in particular. And I, I'll contrast it a little bit with the Richie that I talk about next, but I definitely on a lot of descents, I was, I found myself just riding beyond what the bike was capable of. Mm. especially the rear end. So the, the front end is great. Like you can just point it down and just mow through stuff and just hit technical stuff really hard, really fast. And the front wheel is going to track great. And you know, you're not going to get to get bounced off the front end, but the back end is just wild. It's just out of control. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I can imagine. Yeah. It's just bouncing all over the place and you, you have very little control over the rear end. And so you can get going like that for a while and be in control and doing fine. But eventually the back end is just going to get so rowdy that it's, it's going to push you offline and, and it's not going to end well. So I found that the, the rear was definitely the limiting factor and yeah, I just don't see how you can go. Hardtails are just, they're not for riding technical stuff fast. Yeah. Like they're, they're great at riding technical stuff slow 
You can ride steep stuff. You can ride, you can ride all the same exact stuff, but you just can't ride it as fast. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a fun one for, uh, yeah, like Ruby Hill, this little local uh, city bike park, or, you know, maybe up at Trestle on some of the jump trails up at that bike park in the summer. That was the idea behind this bike. It was, I don't know if they say it was inspired or if he somehow, you know, lent a hand in the design, but Matt Jones was involved with this project and the bike is kind of a mashup between they have, Marin has a trail hardtail, I think it's called the nail trail. Mm -hmm. And this bike is like a mashup between the nail trail, which is a trail bike and a dirt jump bike. So that's the idea behind the slacker head tube and so it's unusual. They Marin was taking a risk with this bike for sure because it's not like any other bike that's out there. And so it is one that's meant to, I think it's more on the the park and jump side too, personally. And and again, like that makes sense because you're, there's not going to be a lot of like chattery terrain or anything at the bike park or at the dirt jump set. So you can, it's great at rolling smooth stuff and getting up in the air and and taking like aggressive lines, but not over anything that's like real technical. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really cool bike. I got a lot of compliments on it. Everybody looked at it and was like, wow, that's a good looking bike. That's really sharp. looks aggressive. Um, and then when you tell them the price, they're like, wow, that's incredible. You know, it's, it's a really good looking bike for the price. So really cool, but just not for me. Um, just cause it's, I don't do dirt jumps. I wish I did. Maybe if I did, I'd appreciate the bike more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like uh, very, very purpose built. Yeah. Sort of like the Firebird. I mean, it's, it's got a purpose and unless you ride that a lot, most of us can't justify having that type of bike. Sure. So the last one that I wanted to talk about is the Richie Ultra. And this is another hard tail. I don't know if I would call it hardcore, even though it does have a 120 millimeter fork on it. Um, this is one, I rode this one this morning as well. So I rode back to back a couple of these bikes, uh, shooting some photos and yeah. And, and it's fun. It's always fun to have multiple test bikes in at once. So you can kind of compare and contrast them. The Richie ultra is it's really new bike. I think it was just announced in September at Interbike, and it's a steel hardtail 29er, uh, made by Tom Richie's company. And, if you're familiar with Tom Ritchie, I mean, he's, he's not one to like chase trends or do anything like super flashy. All of his stuff is just really high quality, really well thought out. And the ultra, you know, Tom Ritchie has made many mountain bikes over the years. And I think the ultra is kind of moving a little bit toward that hardcore hardtail, you know, making it a little more aggressive. I mean, we've never seen a far as I know, we've never seen a Richie full suspension bike. And I don't know that, that we ever will. Most of his hardtails too, as far as I know, again, are, you know, hundred millimeter travel bikes. And so this one, this one's pushing the envelope a little bit for Richie. I've really enjoyed it. It's been, it's been awesome, like really comfortable ride, surprisingly. So for a hardtail. And again, this is, this is one of those things too, that you hear is like, steel is more forgiving than aluminum and for years yeah i don't think i could have said that that i could really tell the difference but testing this marin aluminum bike sort of back to back with the richie i can definitely feel the difference and really yeah and i think it maybe it's my age too like i found 
you know, many years ago I, I had an aluminum hardtail and then, you know, made the switch to full suspension and just noticed like, man, my body just doesn't feel as beat up after right. a ride on full suspension, even if it's just a little bit of travel compared to a hardtail. But now I'm even able to tell the difference between how much a aluminum hardtail hurts versus a steel hardtail. So that's crazy. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a much better ride quality. Um, it's $999 for the frame. And as far as I know, Richie is not selling complete bikes, complete builds of the ultra, uh, which is, which is kind of interesting to me because the test bike that I got, it's just completely decked out in Richie components. So, uh, Richie sells all their own components. A lot of people buy them as upgrades. Some, a lot of bikes for years were coming with those parts specced on them. I think my Redline hardtail had a number of Richie, you know, had bar Richie bars and Richie stem. So this test bike has got everything, the wheels, the seat post, the saddle, everything is Richie on it other than like the drivetrain and the fork. So yeah, it's most of it is the, the Richie WCS alloy kit. It's really nice stuff. The bike too. I mean, as I said, Richie's known for really high quality construction and well thought out design and, and their tubing, especially, you know, we talked to Tom Ritchie on the podcast a couple months ago, and that was one of his big innovations was uh, logic tubing and, you know, really like varying wall thicknesses and doing all the things that you need to do to make a bike lightweight. You know, I mean, he's always approached bicycles as like an engineering challenge of, how do we make this thing just as strong, but how do we make it lighter? Because that's going to make people faster and they're going to have more fun. So yeah, the bike is surprisingly lightweight. Like you look at it and then you pick it up and you're like, wow, this, this is a light bike, despite it being steel hardtail. And so on this bike as well, I added a dropper post and this one, it is internal. It does have internal routing for a dropper post. It doesn't, didn't, mine didn't ship with one, but I added one on so it's not fully internally routed you just run the cable down the down tube on the outside and you know sort of zip tie it on but then there's a hole in the seat post where you can run the dropper up which is a nice touch again like yeah i don't know if tom richie i should have asked him if he if he runs a dropper post yeah or if he thinks that those are dumb i don't know but they i mean it it makes a big difference and this one i'm running a P&W components Rainier, uh, internally routed post. And it's another one. It's 199 retail. And this post is awesome. Like it's, it's really nice, really fast. Really? Yeah. And it uses a coil for the mechanism instead of like a compressed air or like an air canister. And so no way. it should be, yeah, it should be super reliable. You know, obviously that makes it a little heavier, than one that's that uses air, but yeah, it's super quick. And I noticed too, again, testing dropper posts back to back. I noticed this one in the cold weather, like doesn't affect it. Whereas the other one, it's just consistent. Yeah. The other one I was testing when it got cold, it would just like ease its way up and that's kind of annoying. So yeah. Yeah. So this post is great and it's, it's got 170 millimeters of travel which has been awesome on that Richie. I mean, you can really like get down and really corner on this bike and then, and then it climbs great too, like a, like a hardtail. Again, like Tom Richie's not, he doesn't seem to me anyway, to be the guy who's going to be like going crazy with geometry and being like, Hey, let's make this, let's make this one super low and slack. Right. It's, it, 
I believe it has a 68 degree head tube angle, which that's probably a degree slacker than his previous bikes and probably more close to the bikes that people were riding back when mountain biking got started. I think I asked Joe Breeze about that. And I think he said 68 degree head tube angles were kind of what was the standard back when he, he built one of the first mountain bikes. So yeah, it's kind of coming full circle. And to me, I mean, again, it just feels, feels great. Like it's a really good fit for me and it seems natural and not too slack. It's not too steep. And again, yeah, the, the dropper post makes a big difference on it for sure. The bike itself is, is really quiet. Like it's more quiet than a lot of bikes that I've ridden. And I don't know, I mean, part of it maybe is the, the cable routing is not all internal and like clanking around inside. Yeah. And the, the hub isn't like super buzzy. I mean, it's almost, it's almost like completely quiet. I was listening to it out on the trail today. The only thing that I hear on that bike is the seat is creaky and it's that it's a richie seat, unfortunately. And it's not even the rails. It's like the actual body or the cover or something on the saddle. So that's the only thing that's a little bit squeaky. But other than that, yeah, it's just, it's just silent and it's efficient and fast. And I really like it. It's feels really good to ride for sure. Steel vibration damping. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's just, yeah, it just like moves through the woods. It's like a ninja going through the woods. The only other thing that I guess I would knock on it is the tires and these are Richie tires. And what's crazy is like Tom Richie was one of the first, if not the first to make mountain bike specific tires, you know, like to go and actually from the ground up be like, Hey, we need special tires for mountain bikes. And so he's been in the tire business for a long time. These tires are called Z-Max Evolution, and the tires are really fast. Like I do a fair amount of, you know, road riding or like gravel road connecting stuff uh, for my rides in between single track. And these tires are fast, man. Like really, they, yeah. There's very little like a cross country tire. Or? Yeah, they are definitely cross country. I mean, I would call them cross country race. Um, I don't know if that's the intent intended purpose, but that's what they feel like to me. Um, and so that's, that's been nice. Cause I usually run real meaty tires even on the road, but they are not super grippy in the corners. Like I haven't had any problems climbing with them per se, but the, the side knobs are just, they're just not very big. Um, unfortunately. So that's, that's kind of my only complaint about that bike and the build. I think it's crazy that, uh, the frame's only a thousand dollars. Like I think of Richie as, you know, I, I saw that bike at Interbike. Uh, it's a great looking bike. And like, I sort of think of Richie now as like more of like a boutique builder. Cause it's not like there's a, a lot of his bikes out and a lot of other boutique builders are building steel hardtail frames for like two or three grand. So a thousand bucks for, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's super approachable. And you know, the, the Richie name, it gets a lot of respect, at least for my riding buds. I don't know if, mm. if other groups are the same, like maybe, maybe not from the enduro crowd, but you know, the guys I ride with, they all saw the bike and were like, Oh, Richie, like this is, that's a sweet bike. Like yeah. even if they didn't want to own it themselves, like there's a lot of respect for that name and just what those bikes are, just the, the quality that goes into them. I've been riding it mostly around my local trails. We drove a, a little bit today to go ride some different trails, but I also took it down to Florida with me over Thanksgiving and 
road, a place called Chuck Lennon Park. And I didn't really know what to expect there. I mean, I knew not to expect elevation, which was correct. But the there was a lot of like up and down, like real steep, you know, like six foot drop, not drops, but they were more like, you know, six foot little steep hills. And then you, you got another one. Yeah. Not, not even rollers. It's just like, you'd be riding along and the trail drops six feet, like down a little rooty thing. And then like, they're almost like gullies or something, but yeah, but yeah, I was surprised though, how much I got bumped around on that trail with the roots. And it was one of those things where it's like packing for the trip. I was like, all right, I don't need my full suspension. I'm going down to Florida, but this was a trail that actually, if you wanted to ride it fast, you know, again, you're going to get bumped around on a hardtail, and yeah, I, I probably would have enjoyed the full suspension a little bit more, but the the Richie was good because it, the trail is super pedally. I mean, you're pedaling the entire time, so in that way, it is a good bike for that kind of stuff because it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is a bike that I could certainly see myself owning. I don't know; it is hard. I'm not the these days. I'm not the the guy who wants to buy a frame necessarily, like I kind of would prefer a complete bike, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's not Richie's market. You know, maybe it is the guy who wants kind of a custom ish bike and they, they know the components that they want and they're going to build it up themselves. Uh, But it it would be nice to see at least one option for like a complete build. Yeah. And you liked it enough to where you could definitely buy one and be happy with it. Yeah. It would be a good hardtail. I think, I still, I'm very interested in this hardtail category. And so looking forward to the bikes that I want to review, there's going to be more hardtails involved for sure. So, you know, this is just a couple I've, I've owned hardtails, but again, it's been a while. So I'd like to see if there were a bike with maybe a little bit more front travel and maybe a little more relaxed head tube. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say with just a couple of bikes under my belt, but so far this, that's the hardtail I want to own more so than the one that I do own. So there's something for you. Yeah. It's a sweet looking bike for sure. I like the classic black and just the blue letters on it. And yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a very timeless looking bike. Yeah. It's definitely really understated. So Matt, what are some of the bikes that you're looking forward to and maybe hoping to review in 2019? Uh, there's a f- yeah, definitely a few on, on my list already. We were talking about that Esker Lcat yesterday. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, a brand new, uh, a, a brand new brand, and you know, a smaller. I don't know. I hate to word or hate to use the word boutique-ish, but I mean, it's kind of what it feels like when it starts that small, and you know, but they still have like a. Yeah, they only have one full suspension bike, right? Yeah, that and a hardtail. Yeah, and then Dave Weagle patented suspension. So all this like, and it's carbon. But it was still like really, I think you can get like a build with Fox suspension. I can't remember the drivetrain, but it was like four to five grand-ish. So it was like this really interesting, like small brand, full suspension carbon bike. And it's not like crazy expensive. Yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah, there's so much about that bike that's unknown and interesting. That Orion suspension system alone, mm-hmm. a new Dave Weagle design should be really cool. And so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to hear what you find out about it. Yeah, and uh, I still want to get the Santa Cruz Bronson in because, again, I think that's going to be a really uh, a popular bike for a few years. And I, I know people are going to be looking for reviews on that one because it's definitely an all-arounder. 
I mean, the Bronson's always been, I mean, I guess more aggressive trail, but like people buy it as like their one bike. So mm-hmm. yeah. And shoot, I'd, I'm probably going to have to get like a hardtail at some point next year too, <laughs> to try it out. Cause I really haven't, haven't spent much time in on hardtails at all. Yeah. And if our listeners have suggestions, if there are bikes that you're thinking about and you, you want to know more about it, let us know. Send us an email. I'm Jeff at singletracks.com. Matt's Matt at singletracks.com. Send us an email and let us know which bike uh, you're interested in. And, and we'll see about that. I'm trying to get in a review and cause we're, you know, there are so many great bikes that we want to pick the ones that our readers are interested in. And so, yeah, that would be really helpful for us. I'm looking at maybe doing a transition bike in 2019, hopefully. And I still want to get an evil bike. For whatever reason, they're kind of hard to to get a hold of. They're not at a lot of demo days or anything. They're a smallish brand and company. And so we do get a lot of questions from readers. And neither, neither one of us have ridden an evil bike. So that would be a good one, I think, for this year. Yeah. I rode one in uh, in Idaho, actually, and it was... Definitely one of my favorite bikes I rode all year. Yeah, sweet. And then we have some other bikes going out to other reviewers as well. Uh, I think we've got a Mach 6 review probably coming up next year from Pivot. And then uh, hopefully Jero will get on some bikes, some European brands that we may not might not have access to here in the States. This has been fun running down some of the bikes that we've been reviewing. Hopefully in another six months, we'll have another fresh crop of test bikes to talk about. If you're enjoying the single tracks podcast, or you want to get more bike reviews or see more photos of the bikes that we've talked about, be sure to sign up for our email list where we, every week we send out the best articles of the week, which, you know, if we have a bike review, it's definitely going to be in there. So sign up for the email list. You won't miss out on anything. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.